Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What do Oregon, Hawaii, Connecticut, and the City of Angels all have in common? Well, my next guest explains that and more right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking downfield for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. A legendary sports broadcast career has many ingredients. Like a dash of unforgettable catchphrases. How's it? Bartender, how about a jack? She's a beauty, that number nine. A pinch of funny commercials. Uh, well, I don't get into it. Come on, pick a number between one and ten. I'm not sure you'll be in the top ten. I'm in the top ten, Roger. Add one part determination with one part cool. And you have my special guest on the show, the big kahuna, Neil Everett. Legendary ESPN sports center anchor. And I've had the pleasure of meeting with him, and let me tell you, he's an all-around great guy. Aloha, Neil. All right, the check must have cashed. That was nice stuff for you to say. I'm doing good. Good to, good to hear you, Chris. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Always love uh, hanging out with you. And I, I did some digging before the interview, and you were a two-sport varsity starter for the Lewis and Clark High <laughs> Tigers and were named to the All-City team as a guard. Were you a road grader or a light-footed pulling guard back then? I was an angry young man, uh, so uh, but I was a buck fifty and uh, just looking to get after it back then. That was a long time ago. Well, you've had a long, strange trip in your career. It's a very cool story. How did you get from Oregon to ESPN? I went from Oregon to uh, Hawaii, and I was in Hawaii working in athletic administration as a sports information director. I did TV on the side just to keep me in beer money. Uh, and somebody, somebody told somebody back East about me and somebody back East got a hold of me. And, uh, somehow that translated to me, uh, flying back to do a couple auditions over a couple years. And three years later, I got the job and that was 20 years ago. And what a blessed event for me and my family. And it certainly turned my life around and changed my life. So in 99, you get that first interview with uh, ESPN. How did that go? Oh, it was horrible. I was brutal. Brutal. Sorry to and bring it up. Any, any young people listening out there, you're going in for a job interview, don't think you're going to get by just on cool, because that, that only gets you so far. Cool might get you in the door, but cool's not getting you the job. I hadn't done my homework. I you know, I wasn't familiar with half the things they were talking about at, at, on SportsCenter, because when I did the sports in Hawaii, we weren't talking about half the stuff they were talking about. They were two different worlds of sports. Our, you know, our local sports cast was mostly local sports. And, uh, you know, I didn't know the Chicago White Sox, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't name a player on their team. So I hadn't done the homework. Uh, I was horrible. Uh, I knew I had nobody to blame but me. Uh, and, uh, but fortunately a year later, they called me back to do another, another, uh, audition. This one, I thought I was great. I thought they would hire me before I left the building. That didn't happen. I went back to Hawaii. I heard nothing. I felt great shame for having lit the 50th state down and chance to represent <laughs> it on the big stage. I truly felt shame. I couldn't even watch sports center anymore because it, I, I felt such shame. And then it was a year after that second interview 
that they called me and said, hey, can you start in two weeks? And I said, how about two months? Because we're going to party as I leave town. <laughs> well, it's all about redemption, because in 2000, you were the anchor on the flagship sports center. That must have been a huge career leap and also a huge geography leap from Hawaii to Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah, that didn't go real well at first. In fact, a uh, month into it, I, July 10th was my first day. And that whole month of July back uh, east, it rained. And I'm living in a hotel room, and I don't got my dog. and um, So I was fixing to come back to Hawaii. I'd already had enough, but my godfather said, you're not coming back here for now. So I put I managed through the weather, and those those weathers back east will hold you hostage, man. I'm telling you. They're, oh, yeah. They're, they're tough to deal with for, for anybody, and especially somebody coming from the 808. So then, you know, 10 years later, I made it out to the West Coast. So I got the weather. I'm closer to Hawaii, and I'm still working for ESPN, so I'm, I'm coming up winter. Yeah, well, the palm trees in Bristol, I'm sure, are, are not as good as the ones out in Cali where you're at now. You relocate <laughs> to California, like you said, in 2009, ESPN's new L.A. facility and co-host with Stan Verrett. You two have such chemistry. Yeah. Was it a bond right from the jump? I don't know that we'd ever work together. We'd rarely work together, but I think, you know, uh, we both come from similar stock. Uh, we both put, you know, we both believe in hard work. Uh, we both are two guys that I don't think ESPN is expected as much out of us than we produce. So, you know, uh, uh, our trajectory was, was we determined our trajectory once ESPN let the, let us let the reins off us and let us go a little bit. And uh, I think we've represented him well. And I love Stan to death, man. He's, He's my brother from another mother. Yeah, and talking about some chemistry, there's has there ever been a time though you said something during Sports Center that threw uh, Stan off his game? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. One time, uh, I called it Tulane, <laughs> and he says, and he says it's Tulane, and uh, and I says, hey, did anybody get the license plate of that bus that just ran me over on the? <laughs> <laughs> So that threw him off because then he looked at me later. He's like, hey, you're not really mad, are you? I go, no, but, man, I'm gonna if you're going to throw me under the bus, I'm going to call you out on it. But I, I I didn't mind getting thrown on the back. I've done, you know, I've done some dumb things. So uh, that that was a funny one, though. That's that's one I that I share because it makes me laugh, not because I harbored any ill will over it. Uh, of course. And uh, speaking of some names are tough to pronounce, what sport has the toughest names you think to pronounce? Well, it's probably going to be uh, it's probably going to be soccer, just because I mean, you know, it's, there's some countries I can't pronounce, <laughs> much less the the men and women who play sports for them. So, I mean, it started out we didn't you know we didn't do as much soccer way back when. So it started out the hockey was the toughest, but then I I got into it enough where I kind of you know hope hopefully I know the names by now. But some of the soccer stuff, uh, Stan is. Stan is really good at looking at a name and being able to pronounce it. I am really proficient at looking at a name and being able to boot it all over. <laughs> completely wrong. Uh, but something you don't boot are your uh, famous trademark lines from How's It to Bartender Jack. What goes into a catchphrase, or is it just organic? Oh, I think it's just organic. Well, How's It was, you know, How's It's just a common saying in Hawaii. You know, How's It? How you doing? So... That that was easy. Bartender Jack just seemed like a natural. Uh, I don't know. It just came to me probably because of the amount of Jack Daniels I was bathing in back <laughs> in the day. Uh, 
you know, yeah. So they they come be yeah they come be organic. I mean, sometimes somebody will give you one. You go, hey, that's pretty good. I'm going to use that. Yeah, well, so, music but, and movies, movie lines are some of your staples. Do you hear a song or watch a movie and think that's going to be great in tonight's top ten? Yeah, what I got to do is those. I got to Chris. I got to always write them down because my brain is so fried that I I'll be you. like, oh, I'll be like, oh, that's a great line, and then. Five minutes later, I'll be like, what, what was that line that was so great? So I've got, I've got to, like, send text to myself, and then I'll look at it later, and then I'll go, okay, what, what, why did I text that? What is the context? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's why, that's <laughs> why. When the guy around in second, you know, yeah, okay, perfect. What's the uh, first catchphrase that the fans say when they recognize you, or are they just buying you a jack regardless of where you are? Yeah, it's got to be. It's, it's either bartender jack or she's a beauty, that number nine. Those seem to be the... Or, you know, I'm in the top 10, Roger, probably is the best one that gets repeated to me from a commercial. We're speaking with Neil Everett, legendary broadcaster and ESPN Sports Center anchor. And let's get into some college football. You've had extensive time on the Big Island, and the college ranks have been filled with star Hawaiian-born players like Marcus Mariota and Tua Tagovailoa. Why does the culture there, since you've lived there, uh, breed such humble and outstanding athletes? Oh... You know, listen. I think there's a there's a warrior mentality that Hawaii uh, Hawaii breeds among its young men and women. I, you know, it's, there's a bit of a chip on the shoulder for a, from the the geographical isolation, just the power of the the mana over the islands of the islands. You know, I lived there 15 years, so I can only speak to it to to that extent. Um, but I just think there's a there's a certain prideful element that permeates from uh, from the Hawaiian Islands. Well, speaking of colleges, if we go in the time machine back to when you were at Oregon, Oregon football wasn't so good while you were there, but how did uh, Kenny Wheaton's The Pick turn it around? Well, Kenny Wheaton's The Pick came long after I left, So, uh, um, but it was cool because I got to meet Kenny Wheaton through the, through our Heisman House uh, venture that, that you and I have, have teamed up on sure. over the years. And so, yeah, so... Kenny Wheaton's pick was huge. One because it came against Washington, who Oregon hates. I mean, you know, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State. That's those are the presumed rivalries. But the real rivalry is Oregon against Washington. That's the most heated of those, at least right now. It is. Uh, and so yeah, so Kenny Wheaton. I don't know. You know, it gave Oregon some juice. Uh, listen, Rich Brooks gave Oregon some juice. Took him to the Rose Bowl. We got we got beat by Penn State, but that was kind of the beginning of the turnaround. And I think it was just you know a lot of you know, Oregon got a lot of really good coaches from Casanova to Brooks and then to Mike Bellotti and, and, and then to Chip Kelly and now to Mario Cristobal and um, so uh, and Mark Helfrich in there too. I, I just think they've got good coaching. They're doing better recruiting. And, and so now the program is flourishing at a level it's never, you know, it's not witnessed often. Yeah, and speaking of Oregon, Eugene is the setting of one of the most iconic comedies in history, Animal House. A few years yep. ago, Nike got you and some of the Oregon alum together to recreate the toga party scene to celebrate. Do you want to dance? Huh? Do you want to dance? dance? Yeah. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and throw my hands up and throw my hands back and come on now. I recommend everybody check it out on the web. And Mariota's Belushi, Joey Harrington's in it, Dan Fouts, Ahmad Rashad, Kenny Wheaton. You are, too. Take me inside the filming of that commercial and how fun that must have been. Well, that's interesting because that, that was filmed on January 1st, the night after or the morning after Oregon 
whooped Florida State in the Rose Bowl to go to the championship game. Nice. While Ohio State was beating Alabama down at New Orleans. So all the guys that you mentioned and more, all the people that took part in that were already in Pasadena. So here they've got this shoot set for the next morning. And what they had was they had a morning shoot and they had an afternoon shoot. Now, all those people were at, at that game except me. I was at LSU. I was in New Orleans. I was in New Orleans working with you. I know. So they said, hey, if you if you want to get on the, get in this gig, you've got to get back here. And I said to my wife, hey, we got a 4 a.m. wake-up call because we got to get on a 6 a.m. flight so we can get back to L.A. by 1 so I can make a 2 o'clock shoot. And this is on the day after. This is New Year's Day. And she said, how much money are they paying you? And I told her, and she said, well, they're paying you half that much now because I'm getting the other half if I got a 4 a.m. wake-up call. <laughs> After New Year's, of course. So they picked me up at the airport, Chris, and we landed, and we drove out there. So they'd already filmed one segment. So when you, if the people that are familiar with that, there's that, that was filmed in three segments, but it looks like one. So the, the Joey Harrington, Otis Day and the Nights, that had filmed in the morning. A lot of us dancing to a tape-recorded Otis Day in the Night. That happened in the afternoon. Marcus Mariota wasn't part any part of that. Uh, there was no stairway scene. Uh, because Marcus Mariota couldn't be a part of that at the time it was filmed, or otherwise he would have been violating NCAA rules. Oh. So it was only... And the, the, the deal, from my understanding, was that Nike was going to run this commercial only if Oregon won the national championship. Well, Oregon got boxed by Ohio State yeah. and, uh, and, and lost. And so that thing just sat there. But then somebody said, you know what? This thing's good enough. We should run it regardless that it didn't... You know, that, that it, things didn't go the way we hoped on the football field. And also, by that time, Mariota was now a pro... So they could include him. So then they filmed his segment. Oh, that so his team. segment got his segment got years, probably two years, uh, two years afterwards, I would think. And then they ran the thing, and uh, and they and they, you know, that's the the power of a video editing. They can make it all look like one. But uh, but I was glad to be a part of it. It's uh, you know they they run it at Autzen Stadium every now and then, and the kids seem to get into it and. It's a, a moment of pride for me to be able to represent the university in that capacity. Yeah, that's too good to hold on to. It didn't look like the first time uh, you were dancing in a toga, though. I was dancing in a toga the whole time. <laughs> oh, it looked like it, didn't it looked feel like, like the, the first, first time. time I ever had. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I you I look... was dying, man. I was. I'll tell you what. I was. I was sweating Jack Daniels <laughs> in that scene. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, especially after we were in the Big Easy uh, the night before. Yeah. I'm sure. We are speaking with Neil Everett, legendary Sports Center anchor. And let's stay with some of the commercials you starred in, many legendary This is Sports Center ones. Plus, you're also prominent in the Nissan Heisman House spots, too. What are the ones that still uh, make you laugh, bring a smile to your face? Well, Roger Federer is the uh, first one that I ever did that was of any consequence. So uh, that one's good. Uh, any of them that I've ever done with Van Pelt have always cracked me up because he's so good. You know, we dressed up like Captain America and Thor for one of them. That was that was a funny one that took way too long to shoot. But uh, yeah, listen, they're you know they're they're good they're good fun and they always have been and they're kind of a staple of ESPN and help you know a rec recognizable product coming from the worldwide leader. Yeah, why didn't Federer invite you to the Open afterwards? Yeah, he did. Roger Federer invited me to the Open U.S. Open after we did that commercial and. Then I wrote him like two or three times and got nothing back. And then I'm watching the 
I'm watching the open that year and they show his box and Tiger Woods is sitting in his box. I'm like, Oh, that's Aww. great. You chose Tiger seat. Woods over me. What a, <laughs> well, yeah, no, but it's all good. All good. All good fun. I still, I root for him because as long as he keeps playing and as long as he keeps winning, that commercial keeps running. So I wish I got a nickel for every time they ran it. I'd be all right. There you go. And hopefully he'll invite you again. There is a chance. Yeah. Speaking of the Nissan Heisman House, you've been traveling to the top college football games each fall to interview legends in the touring version of the house. What was one of the schools you visited for the first time that you fell in love with? Ooh. Well, listen, all of them, most of them were first timers, but the one that immediately jumps off the page to me is going to be Clemson just because it, it's, I thought we got dropped into Pleasantville. <laughs> uh, my wife really enjoyed the, uh, the run around there and the great jogging, great people. Um, hard to find a beverage after like 10 p.m., which was interesting. <laughs> uh, Auburn was unreal because they're, they're so accommodating to us. We have members of the Heisman team that that's where they're from, Susan especially. So to see her smile and be on the field and, and see that War Eagle, man, that was something else. Texas A&M's memorable because uh, I think I melted there. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was the Johnny Manziel Alabama game way back when. So oh, that yeah. I mean, it was I can't I could not believe how hot it was, and people actually watched this game. And as good as that game was, I said, you know what, I'm going back to the air conditioned bar, and that's where I'll watch the second half of this game. Yeah. So I remember, you know, this. It's been a wonderful time. The years that we've done that uh, tour together, and of course, you're a big part of it, getting the crowd going and all that. So it's, a, it's an effort by a lot of. A lot of men and women to uh, make that thing happen, and, and Jeff Morford and Fisher, and, and it's such a great crew. I'm going to leave people out. Clark, everybody just uh, does a wonderful job. Now they're all fantastic. Love working with them, and uh, everybody loves working with you. Who was the most interesting player on the tour that you interviewed? You know, you got Billy Cannon in there, and well, Billy Cannon was really interesting. I mean, uh, Myron Roll was a Rhodes Scholar, yeah. Rocket Ishmael. <laughs> He told he told one of the funniest stories ever. Uh, I mean, Tory Holt with his you know his involvement with Foster Youth, uh, Dat Win from former Cowboys, you know, first Vietnamese American to play professional football. You mentioned Billy Cannon and John David Crow, who you know both have passed since then, but Heisman winners. And I mean, you're just Brian Bosworth teared up talking about his uh, thirty for thirty. Paul Horning, I mean, come on, uh, Marcus Lattimore was. I mean, he was so real uh, down in South Carolina. So, the, uh, I mean, Barry Sanders, Billy Sims. I mean, I could just go, go, go. It's uh, what, what a, what a blessed existence I've got that I've been in a company of these men and had a chance to talk to them about football and life on a Saturday before the big kickoff. I know it's really amazing when you look at that list of players, but they they can't even tweet you because you're not really on social media. Parent by the hash brown instead of hashtag comments. Do you embrace the uh, current technology, or do you still use some old habits from your early years? Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not real uh, key, uh, up to date on that. I've got an eight track tape player <laughs> with the greatest hits of the Rolling Stones in it right now. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, VCR works just fine. So I'll leave the face branding and the Instagram and all that to everybody else. I, I, I'm I'm busy enough without having to put that on my plate. I hear you. Does the VCR at least have a cordless remote, or you got one of those old school one, the wire? No, I do remote? have a I do have a cord I do have a cordless all right. remote. You've upgraded. Oh, yeah. You've upgraded. 
All right, and now it's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. Some lighter questions to close out the interview. And as Neil knows, one ain't enough. You better make it three. Put one interview or one piece of memorabilia in a time capsule. What would they be? One thing in a time capsule. Yeah, one thing in a time capsule. Do you have something at the house you uh, treasure? A picture, that... a picture, a picture of my wife, my my two dogs, my cat, and me. Perfect. There you go. Look at that. Your wife is going to be very happy you said that. You're, <laughs> you're a you're a true pro. <laughs> yeah. And uh, number two, Stan called me and said he can't make the show. Who from any Sports Center anchor in the past would you like to do a show with one time? Uh, Van Pelt. SVP. Yeah, I loved working with. I loved working with him. He gave me a great amount of uh, confidence to uh, be better at this job. So, great, greatly appreciative. Kenny Maine is a uh, is a strong second, but I've got to I've got to do a lot of shows with him uh, since I did my last one with Ben Pell. Fantastic. And finally, I am a foodie. You've seen me. You know. Give me uh, a favorite meal I have to try when I'm in Oregon and Hawaii. Why you go to uh, Rainbow Drive and get the uh, mixed plate as for uh, your, your choice of either chili on the rice or gravy on the rice, whichever mm. you want. Or you could go chili on the rice and gravy on the mac salad. So that's that's Hawaii. That's if you don't go down to Murphy's. Then you go down to Murphy's and have a black and tan and then have your have your dinner meal at Murphy's on Main Street. There you go. Uh, uh, Murphy's on Merchant Street, excuse me. And uh, in Oregon, you got to go eat at. Wow, well, I'm going to say you got to go eat at Tracktown Pizza, man, because that's some that's some fine pizza. And and but if you wanted more of a New York style, then you go over size pizza, and then you go wash it down, go to Rennie's or the Cooler, uh, or, or or Trev's, and have a have a have a cold one. But uh, that's the way I'm going to go with that. Sounds good to me. The dude abides. We've been speaking with Neil Everett, legendary ESPN Sports Center anchor. Thanks for joining me, Neil. Hey, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Take care of yourself. I hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening to the College Football Legends podcast. Tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. And join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.